Hello, and welcome to the first full-length episode of the Fringe Collective Podcast. My name is Michael J. Johnson. I'm your host. And for this first episode, I'm going to be interviewing the Massachusetts-based hard rock band Flight of Fire. That opening piece of music was the song Rockstar Life off of their most recent record, Path of the Phoenix. Flight of Fire is a band that met at Berklee College of Music. It's fronted by Maverick, lead singer, and identical twins Tanya on guitar and Tia on bass. As I said, they met at Berkeley, but I didn't actually know them as students. I happened to be playing in a band called Gambiza, and we shared a bill with them several times, and that's how I got to know them. If you'd like to know more about them, their official website is www.flightoffire.com. They have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash flightoffire, all one word. Their YouTube is www.youtube.com slash flightoffiremusic, all one word. Their Instagram is www.instagram.com slash flightoffire, all one word. And finally, their Twitter is twitter.com slash flight underscore of underscore fire. You can also hear their music on Spotify and Apple Music and Google Play and pretty much anywhere that you can stream music on the internet. So without any further ado, please enjoy my interview in my West Roxbury studio with Flight of Fire. I am in the studio with Flight of Fire. Hello. Hello. Hey. So over here, we have Tanya Venom. Correct. Lead guitarist, background vocalist. And half of the twin drums. What do you guys call that? We call it twin drums. Twin yeah. drums. <laughs> half of the twin drums. And are you the? You're the. the I am the floor tom the right half. I am the cymbals and the and the toms slash offbeats. Yeah, generally. yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. I am the and. I don't think it's ever, anyone's ever actually asked that before. <laughs> All right, and then in the middle here is Tia Mayhem. Oh yeah. Bass. Uh, vocals and the other half of the, the drum left set. side, yep. left side of left the twin drums, the, twin drums. <laughs> the bass drum. The and snare. then <laughs> on my right is Maverick, lead vocalist, multi instrumentalist. She's a mean keyboardist and hey. rhythm guitarist. And thank uh, you. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. So I wanted to start out um, just kind of talking about. Uh, let's start with Maverick. How, how did you get involved in music? Uh, well, that's quite the question. So when I was a kid, um, you know, I went through a lot of crap as a kid, and uh, music was, the, and singing and um, writing songs was the thing that really, you know, gave me this connection to an idea that, you know, things could get better and that the future would be something in which I could, you know, live my dreams. And uh, my dreams began to kind of coalesce into this idea of being a singer-songwriter and um, the being able to express myself through songwriting and through my voice was definitely life-saving. And uh, the more I did it, the more I wanted to just keep doing it forever. So it's pretty much been my dream for a long time. 
Cool. Now, like when you were in high school, were you in bands and stuff? Or? <laughs> the only band I was in in high school was that kind of band you have in high school where you take your best friends and you force them to learn instruments so that you can feel like you're in a band. Um, but not a real band, um, but it was fun, you know, doing our little our little garage band uh, thing. And um, I was, you know, I... I taught one of my friends how to play my little keyboard, and I taught another one of my friends how to like play a guitar, and like we <laughs> just kind of made stuff happen. But it was it was nice. It was a nice uh, before Berkeley experience. Uh, these girls are my first yeah. real band. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing in high school, though. Yeah, so I understand. Yeah, yeah. That's good. but did you do do choir and stuff too? Or yeah, I was so I yeah I've been in choir for a very very long time since I was. Uh, in seventh grade, I think, and I also um, played violin for many years. So I was in um, orchestras and symphony orchestras at the local like community colleges. I I did that for a long time, and I was in the San Diego Children's Choir. And we went on a couple different like um, tours, um, international tours. Like we went to Australia for a couple weeks when I was fifteen, and um, we went up to you know domestic stuff too. And um, it was great, honestly. I I really love being in choirs and being in large musical groups. I miss playing symphonies and stuff on violin, but I mean, there's just something that's amazing about being in a rock band that just you can't get anywhere else. So I have no regrets. <laughs> have you ever thought about bringing violin into the? Um, so on our previous albums, before we had the professionally produced album we have now, um, we did, um, actually on our first album, we had a lot of our classical instruments. So um, I played violin, and um, so Tia plays bass clarinet, and Tanya plays flute and piccolo. So we we had <laughs> we used our like you know high school classical instruments yeah, yeah. Um, on our first couple albums. Um, I think one of our biggest songs off of our album Shadow the Sky was I'm Lost Without You and that features a lot of kind of like you know okay-ish fiddle playing that you know it passed um but uh yeah so we have done that in the past and it would it'd be something we're up for you know if it ever becomes useful but yeah. um we do find ourselves going in a kind of more modern rock direction which is a little less into piccolo solos you know <laughs> than our more folky stuff but I'll uh I'm still, you know, a folk artist myself in a lot of ways, so I'm yeah. sure that I'll always utilize that, even if it's just, like, me putting out, like, a solo acoustic album with some violin on it. You know, I'm sure that will happen. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Tanya and Tia. Well, ever since we were in fifth grade, we joined the school band, and we stayed in band all the way up until senior year, playing, like, what she yeah. mentioned. Tia played the bass clarinet. Well, she started on the clarinet. And then went lower to the bass clarinet. I wanted something cooler. (laughs) That was my exact words. Deep inside, probably, finding an appreciation for the lower notes. The supporting role. That's right. Um, I played flute, and I was really into, like, playing all the melodies and being, like, the top of the band. And and thus, I moved to piccolo senior year. You know, you can't can't cover up the piccolo. (laughs) So, um, yeah, we were in a concert band, symphonic band, and marching band. And sometime through that time period, when we were around 13, we explain it as like this hand of fate reaching down because it just came out of nowhere. I just had this idea one day. I was like, hey, 
we should learn a modern instrument so we can play songs on the radio. I, I was just like, that's kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> the weird thing was, like, we weren't even listening to songs with guitar and bass in it, really. We were just listening to, like, whatever the 90s pop stuff was, which was some rock and some, like, okay-ish pop. And so it was strange, but we started taking lessons. Our parents said they'd, they'd uh, pay for us to do lessons and get our little starter instruments if we kept up with the lessons. And and everything kind of exploded from there. Like our guitar and bass teachers showed us Led Zeppelin and Rush, and our mom was always into Journey, so we rediscovered an appreciation for them. You know, Aerosmith, like all these classic rock bands that they were teaching us how to play, and it changed our life. Like we finally found who we were, like what our purpose in life was. And in uh, in high school, we joined this band called 4D. Um, with this older couple, women, um, so it was an all-girl band, <laughs> and um, Gloria and Janine was their names. We met them in Michigan through our mom. The nice. drummer worked at the dental lab with her. <laughs> and the uh, details. Yeah, yeah so they were jamming <laughs> together, and they were like, hey, bring your kids over. We'll jam. We started playing with them for, like, years, and we would go to bars, like, underage, but, like, playing there anyway, and everyone would offer us drinks, but we were too good, and we were like, no thanks. But um, we really um, realized how awesome it was to perform live in front of, like, real people, and everyone thought we really had a special talent, and it just felt so good to share that with the audience, and we realized this is what we wanted to do, and there was no other option, so... We applied to Berkeley. Yeah, that's et cetera. cool. Well, yeah, and I, I think I saw that you posted the other day on Facebook about your teacher. Yeah, I just saw so, my friend anniversary with my guitar teacher. Yeah. And so, did he teach both of you, or did you teach? Did it you was have different actually teachers? a cool system. So we went to the same place to get lessons, the same like building. Um, my teacher was Mark, and she had this guy Ron, and they were friends. Oh, okay. for, So she was taught by him on bass. And uh, what they did, it was a new thing they were starting with, with us and some of their other students was having jam sessions. So Ron and his bass students, Mark and his guitar students, they would come together and learn, so- learn the same songs and jam with a drummer and sometimes a singer. And so we had in a... Uh, Mark's basement we had jam sessions in front of all the parents and it it was was, like the scariest thing in the world it was so scary (laughs) it was our very first performing experience and like starting that young and then performing out in real bars in the real world with 4d like we became pretty seasoned performers by the time we even got to berkeley i was intimidated by them i was like (laughs) i'm like i'm like older than them but they were like all experienced and stuff they're like come on let's play some covers i'm like (laughs) 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 i've grown i've grown to be clear but so but now did you all start berkeley the same time though yeah yeah okay we all started the same year yeah, two thousand. I uh, I got there a little. Of, so I I was a couple years older because I went to study um, opera at um, University of California Santa Cruz. So because I didn't really consider, well, my parents did not take my music stuff seriously at all, and so um, the closest thing I could get them to sort of respect was if I did like a classical thing. So I didn't, I didn't even consider like songwriting for me was just therapy. I didn't consider actually making a career out of that. I didn't think that was an option, and I didn't know about Berkeley. Um, I just knew I wanted to do music more than anything. So I went to um, UCSC and I joined their opera studies program and I started studying, you know, music theory and 
I got really into ear training, still am, <laughs> and all that stuff. Um, but then it just was really frustrating to me because I was taking all I wanted to do was the music classes. But at a normal university, I had to take like, you know, I, they put me in like the whatever the advanced like English class and I had to like write all these papers I didn't care about. And I was just like, oh, my God, like I need a conservatory like I can't live like this. So I, uh, I dropped out and found Berkeley and all that. So got there a little later, but we all started at the same time, same semester in 2009. And uh, then I ended up graduating later because I did a double major. But yeah, yeah. I, I always kind of thought that you might have some classical training in your background. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, that's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because I started out studying opera, too. Oh, cool. That's awesome. So. <laughs> that's great. So we can always spot it. We can recognize <laughs> it in each other. Yeah. That's insensitive. It's like true. a sensing thing. We definitely come from a different perspective when you, yeah. when you come from that kind of classical uh, background. And that, like, that, if that's like your first musical culture, you can kind of end up a little bit not t- and tainted is not the word i'm looking for that like like you know guided by that a little bit yeah, yeah. Uh, tainted could be <laughs> it could be tainted yeah <laughs> it's a little bit of both <laughs> yeah yeah so um okay yeah so now talk about about how you all started working together at at berkeley yeah. Well, so we met through a mutual friend. Um, and so I was I was in one class with her and and she was living in your dorm. Our dorm yeah. And uh, they um, she was one of the other like female rock guitarists at Berkeley, Sarah Bartnico. And um, so she was having her birthday party at the Hard Rock Cafe and we all showed up and I had actually already seen them in the cafe and thought they were really cool and intimidating. And I actually thought they were like, like older because I don't know, everyone liked them, and they were all Aww. like shiny and twinish and stuff. Um, we had also seen her in the calf, and we also thought she was like older. You than thought us, I, so, was like, we thought she was a professor because professor. I I carried uh, I had back problems, so I and but I, and I was an off campus student. I lived like on a forty five minute T ride away, so um, I always carried like a or a, a roller like a little suitcase, which so, is like really like what all professors, the professors do. Yeah. So they thought I was a professor. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but then um, I, uh, after we were going home from the party um, at the Hard Rock, um, I was being my obnoxious self, and I was singing with the birthday girl. We were singing, like, um, classic rock songs, and I was singing um, Long Time by Boston, like, really obnoxiously on the tee. Um, and she, uh, Tanya was sitting right there, and uh, she turned around to me and said... <laughs> Do you want to join a rock band? And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. And then I just like went back to her, uh, to the dorm and like hung out with the twins for a while and we got all excited. And it was so cool. It was November of our very first semester there. So mm-hmm. it got, got going pretty fast. Like my sister and I, having been in a band, already knew we wanted to form our own band at Berkeley. Like we had been doing classic rock covers mostly with our band in Detroit but um, we wanted to start our own original band here. And so we had barely even begun, like, starting to look. I don't even think we put up signs or anything. We just heard her, and I was like, yep, that's good. <laughs> and then we started good jamming <laughs> at the Berkeley Spaces. We started playing a few covers and awkwardly trying to learn each other's, like, original. adorable. <laughs> yeah. So whenever anyone makes fun of singers for, like, being obnoxious and singing in public, I point out to them that that's how I met my destiny. Yeah, exactly. be your audition. So, 
So you never yeah. know when you're being auditioned. Even though just I was just feeling really socially <laughs> awkward, you know, and that's why I was belting at the top of my lungs on the tee. But it paid off. Exactly. That's how it happens. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. And we had our first show at Berkeley. Berkeley won a... It, it was, was my recital. I signed up to recital. do a recital, but it ended up being a rock show. Yes. Nice. It was awesome. It was, we had to like say who wrote each song and like who composed it. Make a program. It. It yeah, was the so program. Tia Dimachowski's recital. <laughs> oh, the Berkeley way. Yeah. <laughs> so was that still in your freshman year or was that like sophomore year? Um, I think it was February of February our freshman year. So oh, really? our second yeah, semester. Beginning yeah. of the second semester. Yeah, because my, <laughs> my base teacher, my private base teacher at Berkeley at the time, Dave Clark, he was like, you know, if you have a band, you should you should do a recital. Like, just sign up right out there in 1140. And I was like, okay. And I did it. And it worked out. Yeah. It was cool. I met you when Gambiza played a gig with mm-hmm. you. Was it at the Midway or PAs or something? It was, I think it might have been Midway, yeah. I feel like it was at Midway. She's yeah, so it awesome. wasn't at PAs, it was at Midway. Okay. So, your drummer at the time was another student. Yeah, a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and was so was he your first drummer? Uh, actually, <laughs> well, our first long-term first drummer. First long-term. Yeah. Drummer. We actually have never had great luck keeping drummers, so we had um, a really awesome girl drummer at our first show, and then she was like, "Okay, that was fun. Bye." And then <laughs> we had another cool girl drummer for our second recital that was like in six months from then, and she was like, "Okay, bye." And then we were like, "We really want a drummer," and we really enjoyed playing with um, the three of us. We're like, "Wow, this like." playing with other girls is like this really unique experience so let's see if we can get a girl drummer right and so but we could not find one and we could not find one we could not find one and so then this guy was just like hey i'll just play with you until you find one two years later he finally left the band two albums (laughs) two years (laughs) so our first i feel like our first real drummer was Shayna, even though it was like three years four years into us being a band all of those people were berkeley students yes the like short time, the guy that was on both of our albums, and then Shayna was Berkeley student, and then we had a drummer after her who was also a Berkeley student. Only and, for like a couple months. So. Yeah, for a couple months. Then we had then we kind of branched out from the Berkeley <laughs> thing. Um, and the drummer we're with now is from UMass Lowell's music program. Oh, okay. So yeah. it's pretty exciting to like branch out a little bit, and uh, she's been. Yeah, she's definitely amazing. our fave. She's definitely the best drummer we've played with so definitely. far. Definitely. And so this is the one who's from uh, Australia? She's from yeah, Britain. Or Britain. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm sorry. Guys. No, she spent much. time in Australia recently. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that, that somebody made the, the Spinal Tap joke at some point. Oh, yeah. Point, it's real. <laughs> it's real. We were Spinal Tap for Halloween one year so real. when we were in drummer transition. Mm-hmm. Yes. We we'll show you the pictures on after. <laughs> Tia looked amazing as David Smalls. I was recognized around town as David Derek. Derek Smalls. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Derek Smalls. She was recognized everywhere. <laughs> like, like the Derek mustache. Smalls? I was like, yeah. yeah. We'll send you the pic. You can <laughs> she took a banana, you know, wrapped it in tin foil, <laughs> put it in her pants, kept it in her pants. She had the mustache. It was I had real to do good. it all the way, you know? She yeah, had a blonde just, wig. I, I had, had to wear a blonde wig. It was, time, so. I actually wore the Buffy wig. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It does not look good on me. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. It was pretty so amazing. St. Hubbins, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had brown hair at the time, which worked out great yeah, for it Nigel. Was I was like chewing gum like a horse. You were like basically like already Nigel, on. so you really yeah. looked like him. It was very easy to pull off for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <At that> time. 
That's awesome. Yeah, well, that because at, at one point that had crossed my mind, but yeah. I'm also just glad that that you know about Spinal Tap. When yeah, I mean yeah, a musician, it's essential. Oh my gosh. When I meet a musician who hasn't seen Spinal Tap, I, I it's say sad. you have to see it. You mm-hmm. do. It's so do like hilarious because it's kind of real. especially as a rock <laughs> musician. I mean, it's just part of the culture. It's you way know too it. relatable in a scary <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so those those first two records, right? You did while you were still in college, right? And we just self in our basement, like self produced, self mixed, like. And our first one wasn't even mastered. I don't even think we knew what mastering was back then. Um, and then the second one we got mastered at a studio in Detroit, but it was that was literally the only like expense. It just took us forever yeah. to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So before when you you were writing stuff, were you both writing together or were you writing separate? We actually wrote separately and they always But have, we would like all of us kind of write separately and then bring it to the group for group arrangement yeah. and editing. Our only real band co-write is on the last album. Tia and I wrote Better Off Without You Together. You said it And um, for One More Sip, also on the last album, the three of us wrote the lyrics together, but t- the music is all Tanya. So like we we're still working on actually doing more collaboration, but the collaboration really comes from since we've been playing together for so long, we kind of we we understand each other's musical voices more and our sound is like becoming more cohesive. Like um our first like, you know, our self-produced like barely legitimate albums before we were kind of just like you know, every person had their own vision for the song and that's what we did. And now when we bring our own songs to the group, everyone, you know, is like, okay, I feel like this makes sense and blah, blah, blah. And like, everyone has their piece to give. Like for me, like I'll be like, okay, this melody, I'm going to change to something that I think is more flight of fire and these lyrics, blah, 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 (laughs) songwriting major. And, (laughs) um, and then like Tanya will be like, well, I feel like this riff's not like really cool enough. So like, let's do this. And then she'll write this like, you know, kick-ass solo. And then Teal will be like, okay, so we, we haven't had a real drummer for a while. So, um, and Tia's amazing at drum grooves and she's the groove (laughs) master. So then Teal will be like, okay, because when I write songs, I I don't have a groove in mind usually so then Tia will be like okay and she'll like sequence all drums in the world and like blah 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 so um we all kind of yeah. have this new way of really making it fly to fire sound by each adding in our like third of inspiration kind yeah. of thing so we're trying to do more actual co-writing and we did do some of that on the last album but yeah. um hopefully more on the next one <laughs> yeah yeah if you like listen to the albums it gets more and more cohesive at the beginning, it was just us like throwing in the songs we wrote before Berkeley. Yeah, and <laughs> here's our high school songs. And then it was like, here's the songs we wrote at Berkeley. Throw yeah, them yeah. in. And then this one had a way more cohesive sound Definitely. and image and everything. And we, 
I think we're very much zeroing in on the actual flight of fire yeah. sound. It's we're pretty a lot exciting. more like we're all more thick skinned now. So like if anyone brings something and someone's like, I'm not sure that's working, we don't like cry about it. We're just like, okay, how can we make it work? Yeah. <laughs> Where we were we were sensitive little artists at first, you know. So, but now we're just like, let's make it awesome. Life has hardened us. Yes. <laughs> we are now hardened reptiles. Yeah. So that's our, our next album name. Yeah. Hardened <laughs> reptiles. <laughs> Birds in space. So when you bring in a song, how are you bringing it in? Are you just playing it for them live or are you demoing it for That's different We usually for each of make us. demos. Yeah, we usually each make a demo. Um, our demos are usually different. Our, yeah. demos are different. our demos are usually vocals and guitar. Me and Tanya, yeah. And mine usually have a ton of guitar stuff and hers has like all the harmonies and stuff. Yeah, when I make demos, <laughs> I got, I've got the vocals, I've got all the backups and like a guitar or something. And then when she makes demos, it's like, got, like the it's like the lead one super, guitar she's got all the like guitar harmonies, all the guitar parts and like one like super bass vocal track that she records and i sequence everything i like like, everything with i like sing the vocals but like if i don't have time to sing the vocals i'll just do like an acoustic guitar sequence like singing the vocals (laughs) melody and then she'll have the full drums drums, bass bass, guitar (laughs) so usually we get these like epic synth instrumentally things (laughs) from her and then like a sheet of lyrics and then like (laughs) Um, if we send this, we don't show these to our drummers. So if we send them to our drummers or anyone, we want to actually have an opinion that, you know, we're not sure if you can hear through this weird demo process. Well, like record <laughs> yeah. over my Then we, we usually take her demos and then I'll record like vocals on it and Tanya will record actual Real guitar demos. because <laughs> guitar is not synthesized guitar yeah. is terrible. So yeah. my job is safe. Yeah. <laughs> For my now. job is Tanya and I, our jobs are safe. You're For screwed. now. I'm disposable. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of jump into um, how you met Lizzie. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we've known her for a little over two years now, which is kind of crazy to kind think about. Kind of awesome. Um, yeah. We we officially brought her on as our manager about a year ago. Um, but we met her because in 2015, we were a part of the um, International Battle Demands um, Hard Rock Rising that they do um, every year. Um, and so we got into the semifinals of Boston. We were doing our Battle of the Bands. We met her that night. We won the semifinals. And then when we came back for the finals, um, we she was also a judge for that night. Sorry, I didn't say that. She was one of the celebrity judges. Okay. Um, celebrity judges. Um, she, she is she a is. local legend, yeah, so just, yeah. <laughs> definitely uh, counts. Uh, but during the finals, in the middle, at the like at the very last guitar solo in one of the songs we were playing, Tanya broke her E string, her high E string. Yeah. And she only uh, has one guitar in years. Yeah. So, <laughs> and the thing is, the three of us come from very meager resources. So all of us each had at that point one instrument. And we always carried strings with us, but we were in the middle of a set, yeah. you know. So I was frantically changed. If we actually like, we had an acoustic song, so yeah, we played this acoustic song. Set. I was supposed to sing, but I was just restringing in the background. Real so she quick. went <laughs> restrung her song in the middle of this like in, you know immaculately planned battle. The band's finals set that if the winner gets a thousand dollars, like really important. I really thought I blew it for us at that point. Um, but we did our acoustic <laughs> song. By the time we were done, she oh, had restrung her guitar. And we did the rest of our set just fine. And um, we ended up winning the night, which was Woo. awesome. And um, Liz uh, came up to us and she was like, 
what the hell was that? You have one guitar? Like, why didn't you just switch out your guitar? We're like, we don't really have money. Like, we all come from really, like, lower middle class families. Like, we don't we don't have a million guitars. And she was like, okay, we need to fix that. So she got like kind of attached to us at that point and, and like wanted to support us and stuff. And of course, um, so Liz, Lizzie uh, Borden, she was the, um, you know, the band leader for Lizzie Borden and the Axes for any of you listening that don't know this. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the eighties, they were one of the first all female rock bands that ever did anything. Yeah. And they really paved the way for bands like flight of fire and things like that. And they had a lot of success. You know, they they toured nationally, internationally, and um, you know, with like, hey, cheap trick on the wall. They toured with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spinal Tap, and with Spinal Tap, actually, <laughs> it's all coming full tour. circle. <laughs> um, but uh, so she she saw us, and I guess she you know felt some uh, empathy for us, yeah. and so she we just started kind of hanging out with her occasionally, and you know she would pass on some knowledge and stuff, and then we asked her to produce Path of the Phoenix. And she said yes. And then while we were in the studio with her, we were just like, oh, my God, this is the most, like, amazing mentor we could ever have. And, like, I wonder if she would say yes if we proposed managership. <laughs> so, so we, we all got down, we on, got one down on one knee. And, and we presented her with a rock and roll bracelet yep. <laughs> on a corner in Southie at night. <laughs> it said Fof on it in beads. And, and she said yes. <laughs> so, yeah. She put the bracelet on, and that was... That was that was it. <laughs> it's the most romantic moment of my life. Yeah. Um, so ever since then, it was about a year ago, um, she's been our manager and um, been really, really great for us. A great, um, great mentor and a great, um, you know, helping us trying to do the thing. You know, she produced Path of the Phoenix, our latest album. Yeah. She was in the studio with us and everything, and she's just been there for all of it. Mm-hmm. And actually, Lizzie Bourne and the Axes. Um, it's kind of well known that they that they're like done playing but um they got together to play at our album release show i know last october know. and the place was packed we had arrow chicks we had lizzie born in the axes and us and it was just an unreal night yeah it was, yeah, it was really so cool. cool they all you got know to... cared enough about us to like band together and play again yeah yeah and it was really really inspiring and cool we did this kind of like passing of the torch thing, they all had these like custom leather jackets from back, back from in when the they day. were rich rock stars in there. And when we were about to play, they handed the leather jackets to us what? so we could play like our first few songs yeah. in the leather jackets. And it was That's really awesome. we had to give them back. But yeah, we just played we our first song because they were hot. It was God. really yeah. hot, but we looked really cool. We looked <laughs> hot, and we were hot. <laughs> yep. So that was pretty exciting. And we hope that you know, I mean, this all kind of comes around to the general like we hope that we are able to kind of stand on the shoulders of 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 the giants that have come before us and and learn from how you know i mean the industry is still a you know a really tough place for anyone and especially for females and especially for female instrumentalists so you know there's still a lot to be learned but it's like we we hear these stories from lizzie Borden the access back in the 80s and we're like we Man, we have easy. nothing yeah. to complain about compared to them. So it's it's just really great to have this resource of of Liz and her old bandmates that we can learn from and um, and then take that you know uh, wisdom and and try to push forward with it. Well, okay. Now I forgot to ask if it was okay to talk about this, but do you want to talk about the 
the manager experience that you had before that? We can we can talk about it generally. We, if we feel like it might be unprofessional to name names, well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we're happy to talk about it. Yeah. But for me, that's kind of an important thing for mm, people to hear. Yeah. You know, for other. I think so too. I think to being honest about the bad stuff in the industry is is useful because the thing is, if we had heard more stories like ours before we got into it, I think it would have been easier for us to feel empowered to get out of that situation. So I think it's important to talk about. You know, we try to stay pro about it and not like sound complaining and name names, but I think being honest is important. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're happy to talk about it. Okay. So kind of tell the story of what, or in general terms, yeah. if, you, so, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, let's see that in, in general, we, we got together with this um, manager and producer team and um, they were promising the moon and the stars and everything. And, you know, we were a lot younger it was, uh, you know, maybe three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we were fresh out of school and we thought, oh, we've already paid all our dues and we're going to just get famous now and blah, blah, blah. And they were saying all these things, you know, and promising us like major record deals and all these things. And then when we actually started working with them, um, it became more and more clear that they didn't really know what they were doing and they were suggesting these these paths that we knew even from our limited like you know berkeley business school experience that they didn't make sense you know and so but we felt like maybe this is the only big opportunity we were ever going to get and we felt like maybe you know we shouldn't turn something away that could possibly lead to something because our dream is the most important thing to us and we were willing to we don't care about inconvenience and sacrifice or or money stuff or going into debt when it comes to like it could get us our dream right so we hung on for a while even though we were getting a lot of red flags and um wouldn't it be great if we could just go back in time and and not have yeah, dealt with all of that debt at that point yeah because <laughs> saved a lot of money you a know, lot of hardship they're like okay we're gonna have you come out like across the country and record this thing and blah 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 and then they were like we're gonna you know bring it around LA and have a million different people mix and master it famous people and all this stuff and it was like ten thousand dollars for all this stuff but we did it and um and took then out loans and credit we took cards, out a loan like down <laughs> like it was it, it was it was a supreme financial sacrifice and then the recording experience was hellish it was it was really bad um not only did the producer really not know what he was doing he was trying to make changes that literally didn't make sense like we have a section in the song we recorded that's in seven eight and he was like we were trying to all i did was try to be like hey like let's change this on you know in pro tools so that the click can be accurate and he was like no there's no time just record it in four i'm like no we can't because then the click will be off by five eighth notes by the time we get out of that section he was like did not understand at all and wouldn't let me talk to the engineer myself. He had to be the only one to talk. So it was like very controlling, also not really knowing the doing is very, very stressful. And so the recording experience was terrible, but we ended up with this really cool track because I eventually did get to talk to the engineer. So the engineer had a brain. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, the engineer kind of like did it under the table so that like I wouldn't know. <laughs> so, so stupid. Um, but anyway, and then when we got this, you know, he... Uh, wanted us to wire him more money to like have it mastered by these famous people so we did it even though it felt really sketchy and we were just getting like deeper and deeper and uh, there was just like a lot of really critical 
things and miscommunication. Yeah, communication was really, really bad. You know, like and it caused yeah, very unprofessional. Mm-hmm. A lot of gnarly things were said to us. You know, a lot of, of nowhere being screamed at over the phone and like you know emails with like things in all caps, very insulting. Um, you know, not okay things to say to somebody you respect. Things were said to us and. Um, it just got worse and worse. Um, and, but there was a lot of kind of pressure to stick it out from, mm. you know, we were feeling very desperate and like, yeah, it was, it was scary. It was like our first thing that happens. We thought like, yeah, this could be it. We don't know what it's like. We, we don't, don't want to give it up. And, and this whole time they were promising the moon and the stars. They're like, we're talking to people at Capitol. We're talking to people at Atlantic, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, who are you talking to? Like, they're like, oh, it's a subset. I'm like, okay, what's the name of the label? They're like, we're, we can't, we're not going to tell you unless you agree to sign this contract with us that is an exclusive contract for like three years. Or, like, one year. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to know what the heck we're signing on for. So, like, can you give us some information? They were like, no, sign the contract and then we'll tell you. I'm like, this is the biggest red flag in the world. These people have been, uh, like, verbally abusive. They don't really know what they're doing. And, like, you know, it just... It was just so We didn't want to be stuck with them for three years. We bartered down to we one We bartered year, down to one. And then we decided like, just not to do it. This is just not worth it. And you at, know? at that point, we were like, okay, look, like we just we just can't anymore. And if this contract is going to bind us to them, we don't want to be bind, bound, you know? Yeah, so. the other problem was we had already spent $10,000 recording one song, this one single. $10,000 that we didn't have. Yeah, <laughs> that was mostly their, still paying was their mom like taking out a big credit card for us because because she's the best mom in the whole world. Yeah. And so it was like, now we're paying so it back she is for life. Really cool. So now it's like, okay, we've invested all this stuff. And they said, if you don't sign this contract, we'll take you to court. So you can't use the single, you can't put it out. We're, even though it doesn't, they didn't really have the rights for that because they didn't, like they didn't write any of the song. All they did was stand there in the studio and try to get us to record with the click that was wrong. Like, you know, it's not like they actually had any creative input, but they were full of threats. And they was just like, it was like they were trying to do anything they could to get us to sign this contract. And I was like, no. So we decided to walk away. It was really, really stressful. And they like, even like months and years later, like the manager would like get really mad and like start like, you know, causing drama again we finally just had to like block her because it was just like what the heck you know and so it was just it was really really rough definitely the Mm -hmm. hardest time for us in our band history and uh, we took a lot of what happened and put that energy into path of the phoenix that was Um, actually a lot of the songs are stemmed from yeah what um, we went through one more tip is about that and um better off about better off without you our first and only co-write is about that yeah um you know t and i just um got a little inebriated during that situation and wrote that song (laughs) reasonably um so yes and so you know and then daughters of venus which is the you know culminating track there is about you know even though we've been like really like abused through this situation we're gonna come out and be stronger than ever and that was kind of our culmination of of the album so the album is you know it's a concept album about that whole struggle we had during that year and uh, we took that and made an allegory for it with like the, the awesome phoenix and the like woman climbing the mountain that you can see in the liner notes and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, you can actually like follow the story through the songs and 10,000 Voices the opening track was the song we were recording with them. Right. 
And uh, we, we were like, it. well, okay, we'll re-record it then. Yeah, like, deal with okay, we're $10,000 in the hole, but this song is, like, important to us. And so instead of, so what we did with 10,000 Voices to make it, to re-own that song and make it feel like ours after all that stuff they, you know, put us through without that song is we took actual quotes from the emails that were sent to us, um, mostly uh, by the manager, and um, quotes that she said, insults that she said to us, you know, terrible things she said to us, and we recorded, like, whispers of of that. We recorded them ourselves, and then we put them into the the section in 7-8 that's, like, the world is falling apart instrumental section. Yeah. So you can, like, if you want to know what uh, the manager said <laughs> to us, you can listen closely to our album. those same whispers at the beginning of one more sip all that like demon speak and we and had we the whispers there and put them reversed and stuff and mm. yeah because that song is about how the abuse like taints your mind and confuses everything and how it makes you fall apart inside and forget who you really are so yeah i'm all glad you asked about it no one's really asked yeah. for that specific story we before the, and we juicy to be honest we've never really talked about it in this depth in an interview before because we don't want like you know the I'm, I don't know if they're going to hear this, but sometimes they're like, but you know what? They should be happy we're not naming names. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and I, like I said, I think it's important for, for you know, yeah. younger artists to, to kind of know. Yeah. You don't know, take I, the first thing that comes yeah, along. Anyone who promises you. The story is that, like, there will always be something better. And if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. And if it feels bad, it's probably bad. Trust, yeah, trust your instincts. The biggest rule you should learn from this is that if anyone asked you to do a money gram, <laughs> yes. stupid little red telephone at CVS. CVS. If you have Run to go away. to a money gram, red telephone at CVS. <laughs> Run Don't the do other it. way. Not the Matrix. Yeah, because the Run only away. other time we've had to do that is uh, when we were doing this music festival that ended up being a scam. Oh so, my gosh, that's right. Right? Never send a moneygram. Never use the red phone. <laughs> Never touch those red phones. If they don't have a freaking PayPal account, run away. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. If they don't want a paper trail, get out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <God>. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, and I didn't realize, because I knew that... I, I remember you saying you know uh, on stage a couple times at a couple of those songs but i didn't realize that really was the subject of the whole record. yeah, yeah. yeah. The entire I mean, album. yeah like all the songs even my last gamble tanya wrote it about um that was right before she was, everything she was living down. in la and like we were like let's do this thing with these people but you have to come back so she was like okay this is my last gamble like let's see how it goes and then yeah. that song came <laughs> Yeah, and I wrote In Spite of You, the ballad on the album, and it was about, um, you know, it, it's well, it's similar to, to Daughters of Venus, but, like, it's, 
you know, I, fe- I actually wrote that song right after I went, I was having a lot of vocal problems and I was really afraid I had nodes or nodules or something like that. Um, and I went and I, and I got scoped for the first time and they, they looked at my larynx and they said that it looked fine, but that I was having intense, um, like, vocal tension, muscular tension dysphonia because of the incredible stress that we were under. And so when I, when I got that report from the doctor, I was just like, okay, this tells me a lot of things. A, I'm okay. They haven't ruined me. Mm. And, and B is that this is a bad situation and we need to pay attention to our bodies. So it like that song is about like, you know what, in spite of you trying to screw everything up and control me, we're okay. You know, and we need to hold on to that and and move move forward from it so yeah 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 after all that went down we were pretty freaked out yeah we were like oh my god what if that's it for us forever really depressed she was mostly like keeping us together (laughs) as a she saw the signs the soonest she usually does crazy things in her past so like (laughs) i can recognize uh, signs of abuse more easily than other people but yeah and then shortly after that literally like a month or two later we met liz and everything started to turn around. Right, because if we had signed with these weirdos, then we never would have had room in our in our lives, in our band, in our career for Liz. Yeah. We wouldn't have had... So it's like, again, if, if anyone's listening to this who is, wants to learn from this story, is like, if you have something that's not working, get rid of it. Get rid of it now. While, as soon as you know it's not working and you know it feels wrong, get rid of it because... Like, don't hang on to it because it has 2% chance of working or it works, you know, because if you don't make room in your life for the good things, then when they come along, you'll miss them. So, right? So it's like, you know, we've done that before, like, you know, with, you know, other situations in our band that we will not talk about. But like, sometimes if you hold on to things that aren't working for too long, you're just wasting your life. So yeah. our turnaround time with dealing with abuse has gone way up <laughs> yeah. Or, or, yeah or down or whichever down. way down yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we Less used to time. we used to put up Less a time. lot of crap and uh now we've we've learned to recognize the signs better and and make changes faster yeah yeah, yeah. so now actually that brings me to another thing i was going to ask you about so um you as a band the three of you are involved in a lot of causes as activists. And so I wanted, and I know some of those are, are based on, on your past experiences and and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so tell me about some of those causes that are really important to you. So, um, it generally falls in, in two categories of, um, we do a lot of volunteer work for, um, little, uh, or young female instrumentalists and female instrumentalists. We like to show up and be good role models for that. And then the other thing, and I know this is what you're thinking about, is um, so in, when well, I was still in school in 2013, um, we started, or I, I started creating the Stolen Voices Project, um, which is, it's like a multimedia kind of awareness project, um, starting with music video, about trying to raise awareness about sexual assault and and rape and um try to discuss what that actually looks like um because um a lot of people still have this assumption that sexual assault looks like some stranger jumping out of the bushes you know late at night and um in the vast majority of cases um it's actually um, from acquaintances or you know partners or you know family members you know uh, it's usually somebody you know and it's usually very manipulation based and coercion based and not not so much about um, a violent attack a lot of the time 
So I wanted to do this. You know, I, I talked to um, I've had I've had experiences this myself, and I also back then I was talking to other women who were telling me their stories, and I'm like, oh my god, this is such a common thing, and it's not talked about. So um, you know, if I could use music, and I could use kind of this community of awesome women that I have around me to try to tell these stories, then um, you know I can you know help the help women who either get into these situations um or have been in these situations to know that they're not alone and to know that it's okay to actually walk away from somebody even that you love or that you know or somebody who you work with or whatever the the pressure is to um to let them abuse you that that you can you can you can actually do something about it you're not trapped and so um so what we did was i wrote this song about um after, you know, kind of bringing together all these stories from different survivors and also doing a lot of research on, like, how um, survivors tend to cope and how their um, thought patterns, uh, how they process, uh, you know, sexual assault tends to happen, I, I put together kind of um, a, kind of a big coverall sort of sexual assault story with a lot of different details and wrote a song um, called uh, Stolen Voices and um, had... Um, we split up the melody into 33 different singers and we had every, uh, woman, um, sing one line of it. And then, um, it's, and we filmed everything and it's, uh, kind of, it's very intense. Um, but it's a very powerful, um, song and video and it is on our, uh, YouTube page still up there. And, um, we also had a bunch of speakers and it was important to me that we have, um, speakers of all genders too, um, because, um, men, um, can be a very powerful, you know, allies against, um, sexual assault and rape culture. And so we had, you know, whole diff- a bunch of different people from, I think we had seven different schools, uh, mostly Berkeley, obviously, but a lot of different community members and things like that. And we had like a spoken word section in the middle where we talked about, you know, acquaintance rape and these things. And, um, and I, I I know that it you know the project affected a lot of people that that worked on the project and that it was therapeutic for a lot of the the women who worked on it. Um, most of them having had very similar experiences, unfortunately. Um, and I've heard things from other people about it being impactful, and I hope that it can continue to be. It was always something that I wanted to start out with that video, and then you know I, I'd love to create like a nonprofit organization that Flight of Fire can you know, help, you know, promote and, and not just have it, you know, stop here. Um, so that's something that I hope to do in the future once, um, we have more resources to allocate to it right now. We're, you know, really trying to get real good with, you know, fly to fire and get to the next level. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm, it's always my plan to come back to that because it's something that's important to all of us and something that, you know, obviously specifically to me as the director of that project, but, um, Sorry, I feel like I'm talking about this a lot. No, that's why I was <laughs> asking. I haven't talked about this in was, a while. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I hope that in the future the project can grow a lot. Boston Music Award for or, uh, New Massachusetts. England? What, New England, that's right. New England Music Award, Best Band in State, Massachusetts. Yes. Yep. Awarded to us. Yep. <laughs> cool. And that was uh, that was for this last year. This year, right? yeah. yeah. That was really, really cool. We feel so grateful and so honored to have gotten that. Like, we were really surprised and, like, our minds were blown. We're like, holy crap, like, 
this is so <laughs> it feels really really good to be recognized for all the I mean all the bands out here are working really really hard yeah. and it's nice to finally get some recognition here and there and yeah it, just, it feels like your stuff is affecting enough people yeah finally which it's very nice it feels really good Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> well, and and for me, it was like it's about time you get. Oh, thanks. You know, but uh, and then what was the Worcester one? So for the Worcester Music Awards, um, our video for My Last Gamble was nominated for Best New Music Video. It didn't win, but it was pretty awesome that it got nominated. So. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a great video. So those were thank you. Um, those were our two um, awards for this year, and um, within the past year. We've gotten to open for some pretty major people like um, Lita Ford and um, Fits in the Tantrums and um, Strombellas and Joy Wave and Blue October. Ailstorm. Oh, yeah, Ailstorm. Yeah, Not awesome. Hailstorm, Ailstorm, Ailstorm, the pirate metal band. <laughs> um, they're awesome. They are crazy a bunch of guys. So cool. yeah. um, but they're they're really great. Um, so we've we've... We feel like we're moving forward, which is great. It's just never fast enough for us, you know. It's like we we want to get there. We want to do everything in the world. So we're we're insatiable is basically what I'm saying. But we have done a lot of really great things this year that we have to remind ourselves to like remember, you know, it's like, "Oh, we're not famous yet." Okay, okay. All right. I'll, I'll <laughs> well, to me the lead of Ford was a huge yeah deal, that was know. huge that was a big deal we got to meet her and talk yeah. to her and everything and she and actually complimented us so she did it was yeah. very oh, cool of course she did. <laughs> we managed to sell a record-breaking amount of merch that night yeah we did yeah everyone in fall river wants us back <laughs> yeah, it's That's pretty awesome. great yeah pretty sweet it was really yeah. really cool so all right so now tell me about the twin drum thing and how did you come up with that and how much practice did you have to do? well interestingly enough it was Maverick's idea. So here's what happened: like we were drummerless for a while. We were thinking of doing a video. Oh my for god, I forgot about ten thousand voices, oh, and we yeah. were like, "What if we had?" I don't know how Maverick came up with it, but like, what if you guys played drums? And we we're like, "Cool, let's try it." So we started writing a drum part for ten thousand voices with the two of us. You guys learned the actual. We did. Like, drum we learned. Part. Like we learned the drum part. I don't think we made it to the seventh part. Did we? No, I don't know. I don't think so. But um, <laughs> we were getting pretty good at it, and then we were having second thoughts. Like this is such a stupid like, idea. This is freaking stupid. Like because like, we're like, going to be playing guitar and bass like, also what? in the video. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like the song's not really like a. This fun is what happens look when you don't have song. a drummer around. You start we panicking and you're just desperate. But then that that of, that what? My, who thought of it for my last gamble? I, I think I did. So unless oh no I just don't remember yeah I, I I think I did because we my last gamble went through a lot of reiter, iterations like um, it started off with everybody singing but then the drummer going back to play drums at the end and then it turned into um, having the drummer play bass and and then you guys doing drums and then it was and then but still like hone at the beginning and then it went to like playing drums on the stomps and claps stomps and in. claps and so like it went through a lot of things but i just I, when we started doing that like stupid idea like i was like wait this could actually be really cool as a stage thing like a special thing not like a we don't have a drummer lol situation <laughs> what can we put it in <laughs> like, that sounds perfect like my last gamble only has drums in the last chorus yeah that's it and it, it's already weird easy. enough so we're like hey 
put it in there. We'll just walk back there, trade off instruments, do a whole thing. And like literally every time we've played My Last Gamble, at least every like few times, it just something new happens. Yeah. <laughs> We're always adding um, constantly morphing. And your other question was how much practice does it take them? And I will tell you, it, it took them a shockingly low amount of practice. <laughs> Not much. Like, really? Yeah. No, so <laughs> the learning curve was tough, like the first couple days, but like... Once they don't ever practice it now. They really don't. Like we, we don't even have a drum set. We should, but we don't really have a rehearsal space currently. So we're like, no, no, no. You're saying it wrong. You guys are magical twin beings, <laughs> so you don't really need to practice it. That's that's the narrative. No, really, it's true. Like when they first started doing it, I was like, how are you doing this already? <laughs> we were like, like, I don't know. Twins. You know, it just made. It just, just makes sense do. to them because, I mean, obviously they can't actually read each other's minds, but they know what's going on with each other all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's like... It's pretty easy. Like, we connect one arm, we're like one person, and it just seems normal. It feels right, <laughs> yeah. It feels okay. But they um, never had any, oh my god, where's my arm moment. It was just like, <laughs> okay, here it is. I feel like it's because it's like literally basically their arms. So like really, they're seeing yeah. the other arm, yeah. and it just, okay, that's It cool. really feels like you're doing both parts, yeah. but yeah. you're not... And you know, we're like we're used to that. We like talk yeah. off each other and stuff, and yeah. and just know what's gonna happen. Kinda. We always have like had this in and out flow. Yeah, like. and since that point, we've actually I don't know if you've seen us since this point, but we wrote a drum solo together. Oh really? It's short, but pretty awesome. cool. It's constantly morphing as well. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. Super cool. And again, I think you guys have played that solo like a total of 25 times and we've yeah, and like half of those have been at a show yeah so you guys don't practice yeah, actually like, after we get... after we like got over the first learning curve like it was pretty easy to come up with the solo yeah because we kind of got the gist of things like it's kind of we learned how to twin drum it's yeah. fun to watch them do it, do it because they don't talk much they're like yeah and then I'll, okay yeah and then you okay yeah and then it's like i'm like what just happened i have no idea <laughs> Suddenly, there's a cool drum part going on. They don't. The thing is, they just, they just don't realize how cool it is. You know, I think but that's true. Because they're like, we yeah, we learned. And I'm like, no. With from the outside, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's like I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. It would take it would take a lot of practice. I'm sure you and I could, you know, figure out eventually. But yeah, yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't like the way that they like can like. If they have tempo fluctuations, it's always like perfectly together. Yeah. Like that's not something that like that's that's just twinness. Cool. It's something <laughs> we've always had together, even with guitar and bass, like having to do ensembles at Berkeley with random people. It was like surprisingly challenging. why is my bass player not psychic like, and I was yeah. like why is my guitarist not reading my mind this is so inconvenient yeah and can we just talk about how privileged I am for a second that like the two of them are always locked into like their own pocket like separate from the, the actual pocket like they they are always on together like rhythmically and like for everything else and and they both have amazingly beautiful voices that blend perfectly together. So yeah. I, I am so lucky You're because perfect I have, band. yeah, <laughs> like I have the the two of them that I don't even have to read two people. I, I read the one unit and I know what's going on. And we've been playing together for a long time, so the three of us are really tight, obviously. But like, I also have this like beautiful like like backup singery little angel choir thing that happens, and they always sound great together because you know, and it's <laughs> just pretty much. Have playing in a <laughs> playing in a band with with identical twins, especially I mean these twins are just it's just uh, 
I'm very privileged. <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't have to worry about that just kind of automatically happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we noticed that until we, like like she said, the ensembles thing where we had to split up and like yeah, realize what we had. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you know, that's the other thing, too, though, is your show really has a lot of movement in it like a lot of choreography that thing you playing the bow yep yep right all that so we love going have you had to rehearse that quite a bit or um well we don't really choreograph stuff um ahead of time because important like we we do a lot of movement on stage and we do a lot of action and things and interacting between each other but we don't we don't plan it out in advance because we feel like it has to be like the energy of the moment. Um, obviously, she always plays the bow part there because that's where the bow goes, yeah. and they always do the twin drums because that's where that goes. But as far as the other stuff that we do when the twins come and they do the back to back and they like all that stuff, it's it's we like to keep it spur of the moment. So we like to keep the, the actual choreographing to a minimum so that it's like an you know pure energy thing yeah yeah but um we try to think of other cool stuff (laughs) to do we try and think of like like like, all right we need to do something cool and then when we're in the mode we just do something cool (laughs) or we'll pick like four things okay let's do back to back at some point let's do this at some point and then we'll read each other on stage and be like it's a back to back moment like Mm -hmm. yeah just do it like when we do better off without you and our dueling solos like we've kind of worked out what you know, like after doing it so many times, we've like gotten a feel for what we like to do. And depending on how the stage is set up, sometimes we're like, all right, I'm going to go over there. And then you go over there. And I'm going to go over there. This is not a real discussion, by the way. This is not a, that's just, this is a in is their all, heads yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And then like after I play my solo, well, I'll play a solo. She'll play a solo that I'll go somewhere else. And then she'll go somewhere else, and I'm always like trying to find her. If we like meet up, and like, <laughs> you gotta time it right. Yeah. it's always different. Every venue is different. So you have to know how fast to run. Where yep. you're gonna end up? The people like, might am be I in gonna your way. run out there, or am I just gonna like stay up here? <laughs> My favorite part was at our release show where um, you guys did your twin solo battle, and um, Tanya definitely actually won that I one because won. Tia ended up falling over onto her back, <laughs> but. Then the crowd picked, the crowd her picked up me up yeah. while she was playing herself. My, we'll my foot got stuck under one of the monitors. And I, I tried to move and I just <laughs> back. And then I just was suddenly picked up by like this wave of people. And I was that's like, awesome. oh my God. So I didn't even really have to cool. stop playing or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Spinal Tap too, right? Yeah, the yeah, guys yeah, coming yeah. out and like picking him up. Yeah, except that's what happened to, to Nigel. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning. You oh, didn't get trapped in a pod. I would get stuck in a pod. Like, let's be real. I'd be the one stuck. <laughs> if anyone got stuck in a pod, it would be you. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Do so you vary thing. the set list too? Yeah, we, we try to make it different every time. We're actually also um, working on a lot of new songs right now, so it's it's getting varied a lot as we bring those guys out. Um, but um, we've we've been experimenting with... We usually end the show similarly. Like There's a couple songs that are really good enders. Um, but we've been trying to um, kind of... We, our last show, we opened with Daughters of Venus, which is the climax of the concept album and i thought that worked really well it was super dramatic although we like kind of like gave a million percent and then we were like oh my god i have to do a whole set now (laughs) um but it was i think it was effective so yeah we like to try different things and sort of see how audiences respond to different um different stage things different set lists and things like that and we make sure it's never like 
too much slow songs in a row or like too much of the same mm-hmm. tempo songs in a row. We like to like mix it up. Kind of like, you know, like wings. shaking the audience back and forth is a good move. It's yeah. like, you know, get real excited for a while and then like get real and then get, get excited again. It's like, yeah. <laughs> After playing three hour cover gigs back in Michigan, we got really good at like designing the flow of set lists. Cause the twins are really very type A about the show. set lists. So <laughs> I kind of let them handle it unless they give me like three really hard vocal songs in a row. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> well, and I do have to say, like, so many original bands didn't go through that like yeah. didn't ever really do the covers thing. Mm, yeah. i think it it gives you a different sort of experience you it know? does it does we feel like it armed us with a lot of knowledge and experience and mm-hmm. things that we could use to help us so what's coming up this fall any like big gigs so or? many gigs we have yeah, i see a the lot of shows is really full we have a lot uh, of gigs in september um so and, and you can always go to fly to fire.com there's always our updated gig schedule um and one exciting thing that's happening is that there's a music festival conference in la that um asked us to come be a featured performer they're called you bloom they're like you know one of the moderately sized ones but um we're gonna we're gonna go out there in mid-september and um go to we have like full passes of the conference and everything and they like give us a little featured performance slot so we're hoping that will be you know really cool experience and maybe do some networking and stuff like that so that's That's going to be cool and actually in november we were just yesterday we were asked to come be a part of another little music conference and festival in arizona um so we may or may not um do that depending on like you know how the travel works out and everything but um we do have a lot of kind of we're trying to do more festivals and things like that so we're playing at the alston village street fair on 24th. September 24th, Sunday. Oh, All you ages. did that last year, Yeah, right? yeah, it's, yeah. it was so fun. And there's a lot so of cool fun. bands. A lot of our friends' bands are playing this year. Because Rachel came out to see you last year. Yeah, yeah. So that cool. was a nice surprise. Yeah. But we're going to be headlining again, which is really exciting. And definitely come to the whole thing if you can, because there's all kinds all of cool great bands. great bands all day. Um, we'll be playing at Katrina's in Gloucester on September 29th. That's going to be cool. Then um, September 30th on Saturday, we'll be playing Tap Fest 3 in Revere with... A ton of awesome metal bands yeah, and rock bands. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. We're headlining tap the fest. Is that as in Spinal Tap? No, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? We'll um, have it, to dress up like we did before. <laughs> it's, a, it's at Sammy's Patio in Revere, and um, there's three like chunks of the day it's like a little mini festival so we're headlining the rock stage but it's the earliest stage so i think we're on at four and then um there's two stages of of metal bands after oh okay. so a lot of our friends are going to be in that too and a lot of good bands so we're really excited another cool thing coming up is we're going to do a music video mm-hmm. for rock star life Ooh. so keep an eye out for that we'll probably release it sometime near the end of september or yeah and actually we are filming it on september 5th at the midway cafe oh that's right and we're still looking for some extras we have a lot of really cool people coming but we definitely need to pack the room so if you want free pizza and to be in a flight of fire music video september 5th um hit us up on facebook and we'll add you to the group and it'd be really great to see you guys there Mm -hmm. and um it's a it's so it's a one take music video no editing 
And we're going to do, we're going to like drive up in the car, come in, play the thing all during the song and then drive off. So it's going to be like very intricate timing. We're going to put a lot of little details in there that have to be like timed well. It's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. It's a kind of a comedy music video. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you uh, want to show up and help fill the room, that's great. If you want to do a little bit of acting, like, you know, pretending to buy Tanya a drink, like, you know, we need some people like that too, so... (laughs) Yeah, and then we're going to be putting it out pretty soon because there's no editing, so we'll be able to put that out in mid-September, I'd yeah. say. So that's something Exciting. we're really looking forward to. And is that a new song or is it a, one of the songs? It's off of Path off of the Phoenix, of, okay, yeah. Right Track okay. two. <laughs> cool. Yep. And so what about the next record? When's, when's so, that going to happen? We are, so we're currently, um, actually I think we can, we can announce this. So um, we are signing with Marmoset Music, which is one of the um, really awesome... Yeah, I know. We're really happy about it. Marmoset's a really big player, and they're really good to their artists. Really good. Music licensing company. So they're licensing and publishing, so they're going to help us get uh, get our our music um, in, you know, TV shows and uh, movies and podcasts and commercials. They do a lot of commercials. Um, We have Rock Star Life and a Rock Star, you know... Energy drink commercial. Yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Um, so anyway, we're going to be doing that, which hopefully will help us, uh, you know, move up, get some more exposure. And then um, we're also um, in talks with a music lawyer right now uh, about, um, you know, trying to, you know, help us again get to the next level. So as far as the next album, we're hoping that our next album will be when we are with um, I don't want a label or some kind of thing that has a lot of resources. Um, uh, because the last album we, we, we did a Kickstarter. We, we raised so much money. We honestly were, we're so blown away by the generosity of our fans that we don't want to ask for anything else like ever again, because they, all our fans did so much for came us. out. We feel like we bled them dry. Like, I, <laughs> I mean, like it's, it's too much. Like what we've, gotten from them already and if we put out another album like path of the phoenix it would cost us another fifteen thousand dollars and we don't want to put that bill in the pockets of our fans and we have no money so what we're hoping is that we could use this licensing deal and all this stuff to hopefully you know get some resources to put out another album or maybe we get signed yeah so in the meantime as far as new music obviously if we never get signed we'll put out another album somehow um but um (laughs) In the meantime, uh, we're definitely going to put out some singles. Mm-hmm. So um, A lot of cool new songs in the making right now. Yeah. Awesome. It's pretty exciting. We just, um, our last show, we, um, what's the word? Introduced. Perfect, <laughs> our, 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 our debuted. Debuted, thank you. Our, our newest single, which is called Too Much Woman. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's fun. Uh, so that might be our, our, a single that we record soon. And then there's also, um, our single, she's a badass that we've been playing at shows for a while, but it's not on path of the Phoenix. So we want to also record that. And, uh, so we, you can look forward to those and hopefully those will come with, um, videos. There already is a pretty good video for she's a badass on our YouTube channel, but, um, yeah. So as far as new stuff, we're going to try to kind of, save up a little bit our resources and see if you know when we get to the next level what we can put out because we do not want to have to like ask our fans for anything else at this point they've already been way too good to us (laughs) yep so yeah i understand Yeah. yeah cool any parting thoughts 
This has been a really good interview. Yeah. Like, you asked some really fresh questions. And you let us ramble for like a million years. So yeah, thank I feel you. like we just, you know, we always... This was kind of a therapy session. It's always yeah. really fun to just talk about stuff like, you know... You try not to be selfish in life, but can someone asks. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice opportunity. Yeah. Really appreciate you having us in here. We're really excited to be part well, of Well, for me, you know, I mean, when you play on a, on a gig with, with another band, and, and as you have probably noticed, you know, some of these Boston bands, they'll just come in and they'll do their thing and they'll split. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So right away, we thought that you all were cool because you stayed and you hung out and we you talked to stay. us. And, yeah. <laughs> and so... You know, for me, that's that's important in the it's scene. It's so important. So, um, that's so true. Really is. <laughs> once again, thank you for for doing my podcast. Thank you so much for having us. I'm I'm so proud of you and so happy for your Aww, success. Thank you. Thanks for being such and, an awesome and I supporter of us. Wish you continued success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, so much. you seriously rock. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks again for listening. And if you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe. You can leave us a comment on iTunes if you'd like. I have some more interviews coming up. TBA. I'll let you know as soon as I know. And we'll close out with uh, an excerpt from Daughters of Venus, which is the final track off of Flight of Fire's most recent record, Path of the Phoenix. Thanks again and hope to see you soon.